You are about to listen to another episode of That Sports Guys podcast, hosted by Craig Forstall. Find Craig on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy. The That Sports Guys podcast is proudly featured by NFL Draft Diamonds, your draft coverage king. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some football talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of That Sports Guys podcast. I am Craig Forstall. You might know me from Twitter as at that underscore sports underscore guy. But joining us today is TCU offensive tackle Obina Eze. Obina, what's going on with you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm Great to be on the show. Perfect. Hey, I'm glad to have you on. I was just about to say, I'm happy to have you on. You've been someone I've wanted to get in contact with for a while and we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff, but Obina, first things first, everyone has a hometown, everyone has a story, and you're no different. You spent most of your childhood in Nigeria and then eventually came over to Tennessee. Obina, talk to me a little bit about what was life like in Nigeria, and then how was the adjustment to Tennessee? Um. I mean, life was, you know, just like every other place, you know, just I'm a I'm a family oriented person, you know, grew up with four siblings, four sisters, you know, um, just everyday life, you know, school, come back, eat lunch, eat dinner. You know, I was very involved in, in organizations like uh, I grew up going to the Anglican church. So I was involved in the boys brigade. You know, we had children's ministry. I always went every evening. So, like, I had a pretty normal life. You know, I grew up in oh, in a two-parent home. Both of them were strong Christians, and, and Christianity and our faith was a big part of our lives, you know. And, you know, at, at nine, I moved to my uncle's house, you know, which is like three. It's a different state in Nigeria, but just within the east. I moved to my uncle's house, like, three and a half hours away. And, you know, my, my sophomore year in high school, I picked up basketball. You know, and, you know, just playing basketball for a few months, I got invited to a camp. Long story short, I came to America 2015, summer for a camp. You know, um, after the camp in Kentucky, I went back home and some of the coaches kept looking for me and wanted to know who I was in case I contacted my, my coach in Nigeria. And just long story short, that's how I got my opportunity to come back here, you know. And so 2016, um, in the spring, I came to Tennessee. Um, I got a scholarship from Davidson Academy in Tennessee, and and me and my parents chose. We had a lot of options actually at different schools that we had scholarship offers from, and we chose Tennessee. You know, and so I came over here, and you know, I think the biggest cultural shock for me was just being in the South. You know, um, and it's just watching American movies. I always thought of the South as just cowboys and country people, and just fields and all that stuff you know um but just leaving in the south it's not exactly that you know um but i grew up in the city i was a city boy back home you know the mall was five minutes away from me the zoo was five minutes away downtown was 10 minutes away from me so like i just lived in the middle of it you know but you know just the cultural shock is just probably the the, the biggest one is probably just the food and just um and just the slang, America is, is, there's a lot of slang in America in speaking, you know, I grew up speaking British English, which is just original and formal English, you know, and so, and just being able to relate to different people, you know, um, 
I, I leave the Nashville high school, then I moved to Memphis. Memphis is like a whole different country. And then you meet people from different places and you learn different language, different slangs and just ways of life and culture and how people think and move. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to just put all that together. But yeah, I, I would say that the most outstanding cultural change I had was probably just, just the food, you know? Um, yeah, it was it was very, very different, you know what I'm saying? So, but at the end of the day, you know, it's all fun because I think it expanded just my horizon, how I see things, what I can deal with, what I can entertain in my life, and I, it's made me a better man for it. And then, Obina, you talked about it a little bit. The plan was for you to originally play basketball. Talk about how you got started playing basketball, and then how did you transition to football? Um, like I said, I started playing basketball in my sophomore year. You know, um, I was really encouraged by my family um, to play basketball, you know, and, you know, I just, I just started playing it, you know, just, I didn't, I didn't really take it serious, but um, I guess I got good at, good at it quick, you know, and, you know, just coming to America was a great, it was, it was, it was very surprising, but also it was a great opportunity, you know. And when I came here, my, my, my host family, you know, he was like, man, it would be great if you tried, if you tried football too, you know, and, and they're just Nigeria's educational system. You know, it's not high school sports is not set up the way it is here. You know, oftentimes if you played sports in high school, you know, it will, it will take away from your academics a little bit. You know, the system is not set up to where you can easily, like in America, people are three sport athletes and still make A's in class. You know, that would be, you can't even be a two sport athlete in Nigeria, so it's virtually impossible, you know? And so when I came here and now it was explained to me how the high school system was set up for, for athletics and academics all together. And so, you know, um, at first, I didn't feel good about football, you know, um, but it's just, and it's not so much about the contact and then it's just, it's a new sport, you know? And it's like, I, 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 it didn't feel like it was a route to success for me because of just something I never knew before. You know, there's no football in Nigeria. Well, now they're starting to be, but when I came to America, there wasn't, you know? So eventually I gave it a thought, talked to my parents back home and they were like, what if, if it's a good setup and you get to play basketball and football, it just it just means you don't get to lay your eggs in one basket. And so I started playing football. Um, I got really, really, really good at it really quickly and just in a like in a matter of months, you know, from spring to summer, I, I got I, I had started like making really, really significant improvements, you know. But as of then, I was still like 240, 50 pounds. I had gained 30, 35 pounds as a I started eating two, uh, three times a day. And so um, I put on the weight workouts. Um, so it was a lot of hard work, but that's basically how I transitioned into football. My first football camp was at UT Knoxville in the summer of 2016. And after that, the rest is just history. Just kept going up from there. So. And then besides football and basketball, did you play any other sports growing up? Uh, yeah, um, I played a little bit of, well, I played a lot of soccer, you know, I wasn't particularly the best at it, you know, um, but I always played with my friends. It's like soccer is a pickup is the, you know how basketball is a pickup game in America, soccer is a mm -hmm. pickup game in Nigeria, you know, it doesn't, 
it doesn't take a lot to play soccer. Any any three people, any two people, any four people, any six people can play soccer, you know? And so I played a lot of soccer growing up, I played basketball, um, you know, just a tad of volleyball. It's not like I really played it, but it's just in Nigeria, just it's like, it's like, it's just, you sports is be just moving around and doing stuff is just part of everyday life, you know? Um, but but yeah, that's pretty much um, the, the the three sports that I would say that I, I know of or I played. You know, just soccer, basketball, and just a slight bit of volleyball, and, and that's 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 it. You know, just coming before I came over here to play football, so football will be my fourth sport. You know, um, so yeah. And then, what was the recruiting process like for you in high school? Um, it was tiring. Um, it, it really was because. Um, and it's not to say it was tiring, but to say that I wasn't grateful, you know, for the offers that I had, which I had some really good offers, you know, but it, it was like, a lot of times I felt like people can see me, you know, um, just a kid from Nigeria, like, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't necessarily even know or care about big time football. You know, I don't care about four stars go to this school or that school. I didn't care about that. You know, I was, I'm a relationship oriented person. And so my decision was always going to go towards who I had the best relationship with. You know, and I think Memphis understood that better than anybody. And that's why I committed to Memphis. But, you know, recruiting was long, hard. I met a lot of people, learned a lot about college and college coaches, just how the ties of recruiting go up and down, you know. Um, and it's just, I, th I feel like I'm, I'm a lot of help to a lot of young guys that I know in my life right now just because of just going through recruiting and going through it at a higher level. But I wouldn't necessarily say that going through recruiting was maybe my favorite time in America, you know, and I just never, I, I'm never, I, I just never cared about the fame or just Twitter or Instagram likes. I, I'm just not that guy, you know, um, I just never cared about that stuff. So, you know, I'm a, I'm an introverted person. You know, I'm, I'm an extrovert around people and my friends that I like, you know, but most of the time I keep to myself, you know, and so recruiting wasn't, it wasn't the greatest thing, but it was, it was fun to an extent, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it was what it was. And that, that time of my life is gone and I'm happy for it. And then Obina at six feet, eight inches tall, you're a long and athletic blocker with a highly appealing physical skill set. But besides everything that we see when you walk onto the field, can you give us a self-scouting report? Um, a scouting report of me on the field? Yes. Um, I would say that, um, you know, like you said, um, I take pride in just being athletic. You know, I take pride in being, you know, it just being being able to do things and, and just have a, a high level of responsibility. And now I take pride in being a responsible person on and off the field, you know, um, and the left tackle spot is there's no other big stage for that, you know, to be able to, you know, be the backside tackle or to, because a lot of times on third downs, you get the best defensive ends, you know, and it's not just to get the best defensive ends. A lot of times the, the defensive coordinators will set it up to where, you know, they'll overload the right, so the protection to slide and slide to the right, so you could, they could have a true one-on-one -on -one with you, 
you know, and so it's, and I understand those things and it's, it doesn't scare me. It's actually exciting to, to handle those spirits, to be able to just have an opportunity to just be in a place to just have that kind of anchor for offense, you know, um, unlike a lot of people who take pride in just being good tackles on third downs, you know, I've had to work really, really hard on my run game, you know, um, I enjoy the physicality of the run game. I enjoy running the ball. You know, I take pride in it. You know, I enjoy being the guy, the go-to guy in the third and one, the third and two on goal line play. You know, I enjoy those things. You know, um, so I, I describe myself as a as a as a as an offensive tackle. You know, not necessarily a left tackle, or right tackle. I don't like taking on the stereotypes. You know, every single thing that I've seen that is possible that can get done and be achieved by offensive tackle, I'm chasing after it. I'm chasing after being a dominant pass block. I'm chasing after being dominant on screens. I'm chasing after being, you know, just dominant on, on, on just run plays. You know what I'm saying? And just and just the mental and cerebral part of it. I think that's a part that a lot of times as a tackle, people don't get to see in your game because I'm not a center. Um, um, but I'm very intelligent. You know, I really study defenses and I study, I study tendencies and, and I really go in there on Saturdays calling out moves before they happen. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just Saturdays. I do that in practice too, you know? And so that's a part of my game that a lot of people don't take notice of, but as an offensive tackle, there's no way to be good at pass pro if you don't study film and if you don't understand people and understand defenses, you know, and if you're not able to read you know, sometimes reading linebackers and defensive linemen is not enough. You got to be able to read all the way down the safeties to be able to see those field pressures, um, corner, those boundary pressures, you know, know when a corner is coming, you know what I'm saying? No one, even if you have a receiver lined up at slot, know who's coming, who's spiking the corner or the slot or the slot DB or the linebacker or just no personnel. You know, if I have a linebacker, a Mike linebacker lined up against a, a true slot receiver, He's not covering him. There's something else is going on. There's a replacement, you know what I'm saying? And just being able to just look at the rotations and the defense and just understand tendencies, look at a defensive lineman, his hands, his stance, what foot is back, where is he leaning, where is his hips leaning, you know what I'm saying? And just being able to look at those things and just understand, okay, these are pre-snap information I could collect and just allows me to know how to play, you know, and that's... You know, that's something that I feel like a lot of times when I listen to people write articles about me, it's just, it's not noticed and it's not said because everybody's stuck on, oh, he's from Nigeria. Oh, he's, he's just been playing football for six years. He's barely catching on, but that's not true. I'm not barely catching on. I'm thriving in this game. You know what I'm saying? And I'm looking forward to this season to show that. And now, Obina, you've also been at the forefront of the social and racial issues taking place in our country, and you made a passionate speech at a student-led unity walk when you were at the University of Memphis as part of the You Made um, uh, Association. Now, can you please talk to us about what the message is that you're sharing and also how you feel we can all come together to work towards peace and harmony? Um, just racial reconciliation is something that I'm, I'm, you know, it's not like, um, it's just something that, you know, I think any, any reasonable human being that sees what's happening in the world, you know, globally, and just 
America precisely because that's where I am right now, you know, and change charity begins at home, like I said. You know, it, it does, doesn't make any sense to sit on the sidelines anymore. You know, it just, it doesn't, you know. And it's just, um, I, I'm somebody who care about life and people outside of football, you know. And, and it's just, I'm a Christian too. And I find it that God has given me a platform as a person and, and just with football to be able to just bring positive change, you know, not just through the scriptures or through my faith, but also just, you know, in the society where we live, be a force of a force for good, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, that, that the things that I did in Memphis where you made, it wasn't for, for just fame. I did those things because that's who I am, really. I did those things because every day in my life, I try to take advantage of opportunities to bridge the racial gap. You know, I've had a lot of really, really, uncomfortable conversations with just people from different races, you know what I'm saying? Not even just black, white, just even with just me being African and, and people being African-American, like I, I, I cross those cultural lines often and it's very comfortable for me because I'm willing to be that guy who's gonna have those conversations, who's willing to tolerate whatever ignorance that I see in people just to be able to educate them, you know? And that speech I gave in Memphis was just, it's just a public extension of who I am privately, you know, and the speech was basically, man, it's just, there, there's a lot of, you know, um, when you look at racism, there's a lot of just ingrown habits that a lot of people don't even know they have, you know, just stereotypes, prejudice, you know, that people don't know they have, racial tendencies that people don't know they have, you know, and, and it's just, you don't, if, if the minority has the patience and the tolerance, you know, to say to the majority, like, okay, it hurts having this conversation with you because all I want to do is lash out and be vengeful and be angry. But if I could just pull myself together and sacrifice these emotions so that you can have the opportunity to understand the things that we want you to understand, you know, and that's just a call that I made out there just you know, majority, the people that are in the majority just listen, you know, listen, come outside of your shell. And the people in the minority, be patient, be graceful, be merciful, you know what I'm saying? Be understanding and be just patient in the way that you explain this thing and walk through life with the majority so that they can understand, you know, because it's just, there's this uptightness on the both sides, you know. You know, for example, a white person wouldn't want to come out and have a racial conversation with a black person because, he doesn't want to be canceled or she doesn't want to be canceled or she doesn't want to be tamed or named as, oh, they're racist. So I would rather just stay in oblivion. I would rather stay in that nobody knows who I am or what I am or what I stand for, man. You know, and I just, to, to the black man or to the minority person, you know, if, if I, like the speech, I like, I acknowledge what it is to be a black man or a minority in America. I acknowledge that. You know, but also to, to not look for a way for a better future, it's not, it's not reasonable. You know, we, can't, stuck in the emo we can't, can't get stuck in the emotions of the past. The past is valuable, the emotions hurt, it will continue to hurt. And I don't see it stop hurting anytime soon, but what we can do is we can't hurt so much that we sacrifice healing for hurt. You know what I'm saying? And so that's just the encouragement I try to bring to the table, just be open-minded, you know, and that, and that, and that, on that microphone, I set myself as an example, you know, if, if you're not, if you don't know what black person to start having a conversation with first, start with me. I'm offering myself right now, you know, so, um, and then we, we did a couple of, like, we marched, you know, 
I mean, just to show solidarity and just show support and just show our heart and our just how we feel about things that are going on in America, you know, and it's just it's really hurtful, you know. And so that's just who I am, man. I'm, I'm just I'm just a passionate person, you know. I care about people, you know, and it's just I, I I'm I'm the same person. I'm indoors, outdoors. I'm not I'm not really a different person, you know. So. And then recently you decided to transfer to TCU from Memphis. Obina, can you talk about your impressions of the TCU football program during your time there so far? And then what are the expectations for the upcoming season? Um, you know, just being in TCU, um, I came down here in January. You know, I settled in this spring ball with them. Um, and, and, you know, I think I think the first thing that stood out to me in TCU is just structure. You know, things are very organized. You know, um, things are put together. You know, the coaches are hardworking. <clears throat> They're hardworking. They care about players, and they're available. Literally, like the head coach. If you go looking for Coach P in his office, there's a nine out of ten chance you won't find him there. He's never there. He's in a weight room. And the field when we conditioning, you know, moving around players' lounge, like it's like he's always in between and inside of his players. It is just, and that's that's, it's not something that you see everywhere you go, you know. Um, and it's just, and then you, there's a lot of things that I, I just I like about TCU, you know. And then you just you just come down to the way that they talk to their players, take care of their players, you know, care about their players, you know. And then you come to football too. You know, TCU is an extremely talented locker room. Like I'm not gonna lie to you, their locker room is stacked. You know, and just talking about expectations, you know, and I can say this here because it's not. I say this to my locker room all the time. You know, it's just, you know, we we know we have a great team this year. You know, very few times and some every three, four, five years, you you every some teams get an opportunity to have a great collection of talent. And I think TCU is within those that within that season right now, you know, and and we're in place to make a really really strong run for for the Big Twelve championship. I really I really believe so, and I say that loud and clear in conditioning. I say that in the locker room. I say that in, in private conversation. I've said that to the coaches, to the head coach, several times, you know. And and that's what we're going for, you know. We we believe we're a championship team, and. You know, if you're a championship team, then you got to talk championships. You got to you gotta say it every day. You got to make it a part of yourself. You got to make it abnormal, you know, to like you got to make it to the point where it's, it's the feeling and thinking and just believing that you win a championship becomes normal, you know. And so that's that's my expectation for, for my team. TCU this year is a Big 12 championship at least, you know, at least a Big 12 championship. And then personally, Obino, what are your short-term and long-term football goals? Um, <clears throat> short-term goals right now is, you know, just to be able to have a, <clears throat> a very dominant season, you know, um, just to be able to put it together on both phases, you know. Um, I feel like, I feel like in my first year, in my first two years on the field, um, I feel like I was really dominant on the pass, you know. I feel like last season, um, I feel like I was dominant on the pass till I got hurt, got hurt. But I feel, I feel like I had a really dominant season on the run game, 
you know, um, and it's just, I want to be able to put it all together and show that consistency that the next level is looking for and also do it at a, at a higher level too, you know, um, and so just consistency and dominance is, is those are my two goals and, and you do those things, you dominate and you show consistency with good, good technique and great work ethic. I've always had outstanding work ethic, I, you know, I, I could brag about my work ethic anywhere in the country, I don't care who you are. I don't think I get out worked in the off season and I walk my butt up in the scene, like during the season too, you know. So it's just consistency and sharpening techniques and just be dominant and be consistent. Those are my two um short-term goals, you know. You know, long-term goal in football is obviously to get to the next level, you know. And I love football, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I really do love the game. I love playing football. You know, I love being in the locker room. I love practicing. And it's like, I just, I like, I love the game. You know, um, I once heard somebody say that, you know, you're ready to leave football, retire when you like to play on Sundays or on Saturdays, but don't like to practice anymore. And since I heard that, that's always been a measuring line for me in my head. Like, do you still love practicing? Do you still love off-season workouts, man? You know, when, when you do a great conditioning session, do you still get that just, that just that alpha feeling you get like that just that, does your male ego swell when you have a great great time in the weight room like do you miss it when you're away from the weight room when you're working out when you're practicing you know and, and I do I really do miss all those things and so the long-term goal is just to play the game I love for as long as I can you know and then ultimately provide for my family be able to go home in, to Nigeria to see them and so those are long-term goals. And now, can you discuss your leadership qualities that you bring to the locker room and also the offensive line group? Um, you know, in the locker room, you know, there's, there's different types of leadership. You know, um, I like to be somebody who leads by example, you know. Um, but with conditioning, you know, just that mental toughness, you know. I know it's hard. I know we run in, you know. I know it's hot in Texas. You know, but you, you got to look like a champion. Your body, your body language has to say you're a champion, you know, and, and it's just don't have your hand on your head. Don't bend over. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't squat down, like stand up, carry yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's work is hard, you know, but I've realized in my time in college that body language is doing conditioning handles most of the penalty problems. The people who have great body language have little to no penalties on Saturday and Sunday. It's just, just what it is, you know? So that's the way I try to leave. You know, I'm not really, um, I'm not really a big fan of trying to force myself or let everybody recognize me. You know, that's, that's just a simple way I lead by example. You know, when it's time to practice, I practice hard, I learn hard, you know, and then when it comes to offensive line, man, like, you know, um, <clears throat> there's a couple, there's a lot of young guys that are really, really talented in especially the tackle position in TCU. And all I do is just pour into them. You know, I learn and I pour into them and I coach them up in between reps. I'm always active. I'm not that kind of guy that just takes my rep and just be like, oh my gosh, thank God I'm done. Just go sit, sit back and nah, like standing right next to the second string guys. Yo, Tyler, you see what this defensive end is doing? You know, Mike, you know, and just... Do you see pre-snap information? Hey, this foot is back. He's about to do this. He's about to do that. He's about to be able, you know, just, 
just be able to point to them and coach them up. And that's always who I've, that's, that's always been who I am and how I've always lived. You know, I've always enjoyed other people's success and pouring into other people. And so that's my leadership is my leadership is just sharing who I am and sharing myself. And so because of that, that motivates me to work hard because if I don't work hard, what I'm going to share, you know what I'm saying? Bad work ethic, what I'm going to share, laziness, you know? And so it just, that's a way that I push myself to, you know? And then the last football question that I have for you today, Obina, your name is mentioned as one of the best offensive tackles in the country. How do you block out those types of comments or stories to maintain your focus on what's happening now? Um, honestly, no, I, I, I don't go looking for them. You know, that's just, and it's like, that's something that I'm, I think is a skill set, mental skill set that I have that, you know, I think has gotten, like, brought me a long way in life, you know. Um, I know how to keep myself, I know how to decide that I don't want certain information in my head. And I know how to handle that curiosity and just turn it all the way down. Like, I'm a, I could go six months without ever looking up on the internet what my pre-draft status is, where I'm ranked. I don't go looking for it. It might pop up on Twitter and I'm, I'm going to see it. I might like it. I might retweet it. But go look at my Twitter. You Go look at my Instagram. You ain't never going to find me trying to self-proclaim myself to be this or that. You know, I, I just, this is America. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's just too many scouts and people watching or people that will sing your praises. And it's just like, I don't see the need to do it for myself. You know what I'm saying? I feel like my work will speak for itself. And if my work is not speaking, then I have to take accountability and tell myself that you're not working loud or, or hard enough. You know, so no, I block that stuff out with ease, you know. Um, and even I told my wife, I was like, you know, I don't necessarily want you to like, she would see articles and she was like, I don't know you don't like doing this, but every once in a while she would show me ones that are probably really, really nice or like ones from like really reputable like organizations, you know, you know, but at the end of the day, she knows that I don't really care for those things, you know, um, because at the end of the day, football is not about what you did yesterday, man, it's about what you're going to do today and what you do tomorrow, you know, and so just this I kept it on to. I hear my name called in the draft night. I don't really care about none of that. You know what I'm saying? That's that's just what I want to know. I wanna I wanna be able to get drafted, you know, and hopefully high. And until I hear that, I don't need to be looking at any newspaper. It doesn't, it doesn't, what does it don't change anything if somebody says, Oh, you're a top five tackle or you're a top ten tackle, whatever it is that is going on right now. I don't even know, you know. Um what does that make me? It doesn't change how I pass it. Doesn't change how much you my watch. Doesn't change nothing for me. I've always held myself accountable to a very high standard. You know what I'm saying? I've always held myself accountable to be the best I do. So that's always how that's that's how I'm gonna work. You know. So that's yeah. That don't really change nothing for me, man. We've spent a good amount of time getting to know you on the field, Obina. But now I have a couple questions away from the game. You ready to take those on? Yeah, that's cool, man. All right. First one that I have for you. What's your favorite way to relax after a tough or stressful day? Um, shoot. 
I mean, for me, you know, it, like, it depends where I am, right? The situation and the environment decides that, you know, but ultimately my go-to relaxation things, you know, um, spending time with my wife is always very relaxing. Um, to be honest, that's, that's something that I think that is very, very unique about us is that I could be around her all day and it's just, she's a clown, you know, she's a very funny person. So it's like, there's no dull moment with her, you know, um, and I'm starting to pick up on that too. I know I listen, I'm a mu- I love music, you know, I love music, you know, I love listening to podcasts and I have a lot of resourceful things that I listen to in my spare time, you know, um, I play the game, Madden 2K, you know, just get on there and before you know it, you kill one hour just doing that, you know, so those are time things that I relate with, you know, um, yeah, those are things, and it's just, like I said, podcast, you know, Christian podcast, or mostly, almost of my podcasts that I listen to are Christian or about something about finance, you know, just to educate myself. But, you know, but that's, that's, that's really how I relax, man. You know, just simple things, you know, just, yeah, it's just really, really simple things, man. I just, just life is life is easy. Life is simple. You got to treat it as such. What's your favorite home cooked meal? Um, true. I haven't had my favorite home cooked meal in about six years, six going on seven, because it's like a Nigerian meal, you know, um, but it's a soup, um, in Nigeria. And so it's called a uh, hot uh, soup. It's, it's, a, it's made out of a leaf, you know, and I haven't been able to eat that in so long. And it's just, it'll be, it'll be awesome that I get to taste that again. But that's about, that's always my favorite meal always growing up and it hasn't changed even now that I'm an adult, you know? And so that's always been my favorite home cooked meal, you know? What's the best advice you ever received? Mm, that's hard. That's really hard because I, I, I surround, I surround myself with really, really intelligent, resourceful, wise people. And thus I've, I've, I've learned a lot of wisdom from them. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I will have to go, I will have to lean towards my faith in Christ. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud Christian. I'm a proud Christian. You know, I profess that anywhere. You know, um, I think it was my uncle in Nigeria. He once said something to me. He said, whatever you do and go through in life, always remember this. He said, the Lord knows, he sees, he understands and he'll provide. You know, and it's just what that means to me is it may, that, that actually after every time I think about it, like that means everything to me because it means that God understands where I am right now. He hears what I'm saying right now and he cares and loves me more than anybody ever can. You know, and it's just as long as the Lord cares about me, I'm I'm okay. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And so that's my that's my that's my biggest advice, you know, and that's my biggest, that's what like that's what helps me thrive in life. You know what I'm saying? And and if you would just go with just natural advice or talk, you know, I think that, you know, my second the second best advice I've ever had is my dad has this saying. 
he says, patience conquers all the difficulties in the world, you know? And, and it's just, I found out to be, just be patient, lay low, work hard. And in due time, good things will happen, you know? And it's just, so it's just 100%, a thousand percent work ethic and effort while being patient. You know, a lot of people substitute patient for laziness. Patient is not just sitting still. Patience in, is working extremely hard, even though not receiving a recompense or a reward and tolerating that difficulty in weight. You know what I'm saying? And so that's, that's always been how I've, I've looked at, I've worked and I've, I've lived my life. I've been in America six years plus I haven't seen my family. That's, that takes a lot of patience, you know? And every year I'm in America, my life is, I'm growing. My career is growing. So that's, 100% work ethic, even though I'm not really receiving a lot of rewards for what I'm doing, you know? So, yeah, those are the two advice that I pride my life in. My uncle and my dad, I, they're my father figures. They are my, they're like my, if I had human heroes, you know, it would be my uncle, my dad, and my oldest sister. Those are the three people I look up to the most. Now, Obino, you just found a time machine. And you can either go back in time 2,500 years and be king of a large country or fast forward 1,500 years and live on a different planet. What are you going to choose? Sheesh. Uh, I will go back 2,500 years, man. You know, um, I'm an old school guy. You know, I think most of this technology stuff is overrated, honestly. It's just, it's, it's starting to, it's starting to just be difficult to be real, live real life and do life. You know, it's just, everything is behind the screen now. And it's like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really vibe with that. That ain't really my style. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a person, I, I, I believe in honor, I believe in respect, you know, I believe that when a, when a man says certain words to another man, that it should be, you know, it should hold. It doesn't have to be a, I don't, like, a contract is good, but it, I don't need a contract to believe another man when they say stuff to me, you know, uh, you know, and so it's just, um, like, it's not like life 2,500 years ago was perfect, it wasn't, you know what I'm saying, and I'm taking you on, I'm taking the offer of being going 2,500 years back because you said I got to be the king, you know? So I get to create laws. I get to put things in place, you know? Um, and it's, you know, one of my least favorite things about life back then is the way they treated women, you know? That, that will probably be my least favorite thing about life 2,000 years ago back, you know what I'm saying? And so it's just, that's just something that, yeah, I, I'd rather go because the way I see where I see technology trending, I'm not, I'm not very certain. I'm, I'm the happiest guy in the world about it. You know, it's just 1,500 years now. Shoot. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what, I don't even know if people will talk to each other. I don't even know if people will still be 100% people or we'll be cyborgs. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I, go back in the past and change stuff because I know what it looked like, you know? And so, yeah. And now the last question that I have for you today, Obino, you're stranded on an Island, but you can pick one survival partner and one weapon. What are your choices going to be? 
Uh, oh man, it says in the jungle. It, it could be anywhere. You're on an island. You're in a jungle. You're just stranded somewhere. You get one weapon and one survival partner. Stuff. Um. Uh. I think the situation has to, let's say, for example, it's a jungle, you know, I would definitely, I'm definitely, I, I would say, go with a gun, but then bullets run out, you know, but I would definitely go, my weapon is definitely going to be a machete, you know, mm -hmm. um, it, it will definitely be a machete and, and my, my survival partner It'll most likely have to be, you know, I have to find somebody who's in between, very knowledgeable about just jungle life and who's very capable of self-defense, you know what I'm saying? That that would be that would be the perfect partner, you know what I'm saying? Because I will learn a lot from him and then we will just become two, two people who are like can help each other survive, you know. And so that that's probably be that probably be my go to, but my my weapon to choose will most likely be a machete. If I could bring a second weapon, then it would be, you know, maybe a pistol. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm going with a machete because it's handy and yeah, comes in comes in really handy for a lot of things. Ladies and gentlemen, that is TCU offensive tackle Obina Eze. Pay attention to him and the TCU Horn Frogs as they get ready to take on Big 12 competition this upcoming season. You heard it from Obina. He feels like they got the special roster to compete for a Big 12 title. Once again, TCU offensive tackle Obina Eze, and I'm Craig Forstall. Until next time, stay safe and be easy. Hey everybody, Craig Forstall. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of That Sports Guys podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy to catch all the latest updates and podcast episodes. Until next time, stay safe and be easy.